Well, hey, I want to wish everybody a happy new year and welcome. And for some of you, welcome back uh, because uh, you, you attended one of our Christmas Eve services and uh, you've come back. And so we're, we're glad to have you. And just want to say a huge welcome to our Oak Creek campus and to our online community. We're glad that you're here as well as today. We're kicking off the new year with a series I'm really excited about, What Happy Couples Know. And the ladies are like, yes, a series on relationships. And the guys are like, I was just starting to like this guy, you know? Now, ladies, let me start off by just saying a couple things uh, to you. Men tend to think of relationships the way many of you think about cars. We don't want to work on them. We just want them to work. And so, ladies, when we hear you say, hey, let's talk about our relationship, what we hear is there's something wrong with us, and you know how to fix us. Now, men, we tend to think, hey, if the relationship is not broken down on the side of the road, do we need to talk about it? And the answer is, yes, we do. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about relationships. Relationships that include single, and maybe right now you're not in a committed relationship. It includes engaged couples, or you're moving towards engagement. It also includes married couples as well. And uh, maybe you're newlywed, and you still have the first year glow, so to speak. Or you've been married, and you're kind of a veteran to the whole thing. Now, if you're here, and you're like, hey, listen, Mark. I don't, I don't want to be married or even be married again, or I never want to be in a committed relationship again. Here, the good news is for you is you can sit back and listen and just go, thank God that's not me because that seems like a whole lot of work. Now, today is just an intro, and uh, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to create the tension. I'm going to create the problem today, and uh, so I, I'm just going to warn you up front, I am going to dump a lot on you because I know you can handle it. And so if you, if you leave here and your head's kind of spinning and maybe even you're a little bit confused, don't worry about that. We're going to unpack all of this over the next couple weeks. Now, when it comes to relationships, all of us here have an invisible box of hopes, dreams, and desires. If you're single and not dating anybody, the things in this box are somewhat undefined. But as you step into a relationship, they will become even more defined because you have hopes, dreams, and desires about a future relationship. Now, if you're engaged, hopefully you have shared with your fiance what's in your box, and you've heard from that person what's in theirs. And if you're married, you should already know what's in your spouse's box, and some of you do, and some of you don't, which might be part of the problem. But we all have one of these. You know, when it comes to the future, we all have hopes and dreams and desires when it comes to money. And some of you are like, you know what, I, we don't need to have a lot of money, you know, love will keep us alive, or you just become a pastor, you know, and it's kind of the same thing. Or for some of you, you're like, you know, we're going to be a two-income couple, and we're going to keep everything separate. Or we're going to be a two-income couple, and we're going to share everything. Or you might be, we're definitely living off a budget. Or you might be, why would we want to do something like that, you know? But you have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to your financial future. You know, you also have hopes, dreams, and desires of where you're going to live. And for some of you, it's like, you know, I don't want to purchase. I would rather rent. For others of you, it's like, no, 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 not me, not me. We want to purchase. And you know what? We're not just going to purchase. We're going to have a two-story house like this with an open concept and even we're going to have a nice pink roof on our house, just like this. So no one else does, but we're going to have one, you know, because this is what we do. And we're going to have a big yard because I love yard work and I love to garden and all that stuff. And I want the kids running around. Now, others of you might be like, yeah, I don't want a two-story. I want a ranch and I want a small yard because, you know what, I'll be honest with you. 
I don't like yard work, and I don't want to have to deal with that. But you have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to where you're going to live. Now, you also have hopes, dreams, and desires about who's going to do the chores and how they're going to get done. And maybe for you, it's, it's how it was done in your house growing up, or maybe it's just how you believe they should be done. Now, for Donna and I, this, we fought about this a bunch in our first year, in particular, the bathroom. And it was how often and who's going to do it. Now, my argument, which was the right one, okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, my, my argument was you clean it every six weeks and you rotate. And the guys are like, yeah, no kidding, what's wrong with that, right? And then she, I mean, this is, I mean, the goal of her. Every week, and then I did it. That was what that was her argument was. <laughs> now, let me just tell you, I've gotten very good at cleaning bathrooms uh, <laughs> over the years. I'll tell you that right now. Now, we also have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to what kind of cars we're going to drive. And uh, maybe guys, you know, some of you are like, well, we're going to drive a sports car, you know. Uh, I can remember this was me. And at one time, I went to Donna, and I said, now, listen, I said, I want to drive a, a Camaro SS, red T-tops, leather, six-speed, and all that stuff. And what was great is we were just thinking about having kids and, and twins and all that stuff. And she was like, those things can't fit car seats in the back. I'm like, I think they can, honey. I think they can. I think we can squeeze those in there. Uh, but, you know, it was like, hey, I want a sports car. But she was like, I think we need to drive something a little more practical. But, you know, we have hopes, dreams, and desires about what we're going to drive. You know, we have hopes, dreams, and desires of how we're going to manage our schedule. And for some of you couples, you know, you just experienced this coming off of Christmas. You know, it was like, all right, we're going to spend one day with my family, and then we're going to spend a quarter of a quarter a day with your family, because that's all I can handle, you know. And uh, it's like, well, how are we going to spend our free time? And for some of you, it's like, well, I'm going to spend all my time, you know, on, on my own. And she's like, no, no, we're going to spend all our time together. Or I want to spend all my time with my friends, and you're going to spend all your time with your friends, because I don't want anything to do with your friends. But, you know, we all have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to how we're going to manage our schedule. You know what else we have hopes, dreams, and desires about is having kids. And, you know, for some of you, you were an only child, and it was like, hey, you know, we have kids, we want to have, we want to have multiple kids, and uh, for some of you, we're like, okay, if the first kid is a girl, we're trying again, and we're hoping to get a boy, <laughs> but if we don't get, we don't get lucky at number two, we're going to try one more time, <laughs> and then if we don't, we're going to move on, so to speak. <laughs> now, some of you guys, some of you guys, you have hopes, dreams, and desires about your, what your wife will not wear to bed. And she's thinking, but he just wants me to be comfortable. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Let me tell you right now. Now, we all have hopes, dreams, and desires about how we're going to resolve conflict because every relationship has conflict. And maybe you're like, well, when we have conflict, what we're going to do is we're going to talk it all out and we're going to get everything on the table and we're just going to be completely honest with each other. And then, you know, you might be like, oh, no, 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 no. Listen, I just want to say the minimal amount to get by. Now, others even be like, hey, when we argue and fight, listen, it's okay to yell and scream and call each other names because we grew up in a house like that, and when it was all done, no one took it personal, and we just kind of moved on. But you might be like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to yell and scream because that's insensitive, and that's when people get hurt. That's not how we're going to do things. Now, some of you guys are thinking, conflict resolution? I thought that's what sex was for. But that goes 
into the box. Now, this last one, I don't really have a prop for this one, but this is more like how are we going to treat each other? It's how am I going to behave towards him? How am I going to behave towards her? You know, if she loves me, she'll never. If he loves me, he'll never. And that goes in the box as well. Now, there are several things that impact what goes in our box of hopes, dreams, and desires. And one of those things is what we've seen and what we've heard. You know, this might be what you've seen modeled for you and in other relationships. This might be what you've read. It might be what we've seen on TV or movies and culture because that's constantly sending a message for us, and so that kind of creates that. But the main thing that drives what we put in our, our box of hopes, dreams, and desires is this, what we've experienced. And the main thing that drives this is what we've experienced in the home that we grew up in. Now, the older I get, the more I just realize the impact this has on my own life. But most of our hopes, dreams, and desires are a response to the home that we grew up in, the people we grew up with, and the people we grew up around. You know, this is why we're either trying to avoid something or recreate something. You know, avoid something. This is like, well, I don't want a relationship like that. I don't want to be like my mom. I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to raise kids the way they, they raise kids. Or we're trying to recreate something. And it may not necessarily be from your mom or your dad or your parents. You know, it could be an aunt and uncle. It could be grandparents. It could be maybe a family you were close to growing up that you look at that and you go, I want a relationship like that. And that goes in the box. Now, at some point in the relationship, and this is different for every relationship. We, we don't know exactly when this is. Maybe it's when you were dating for a period of time. Maybe it's when, after you got engaged. Maybe it's, after, maybe it's after you got married sometime. That we get to a point and we basically say, here, go make my dreams come true. Because this is what I'd hoped it would be. And this is what I always thought it would be. And the reason why I asked you out, and the reason why I said yes when you asked me out, the reason why I asked you to marry me, the reason I said yes when you asked me to marry me, because in my mind, this is what my future looks like. Now, I need you to make that come true for me. But the problem is, and for some of you, this is maybe some of the tension that you're feeling, and I'm just kind of giving a picture to some of the tension that you're feeling, is that when we hand over our box of hopes, dreams, and desires to the other person, it doesn't feel like hopes, dreams, and desires to them, does it? To them. It feels like expectations. To them, it feels like responsibility. To them, it feels like, if I don't, then you might not love me anymore. Now, expectations. We all know what expectations are. Expectations are just simply this, a strong belief that something will happen. Not today, but someday in the future. It's like, well, we're not there yet, but we'll get there, won't we, honey? Hey, honey, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. I can change him. I can change her. She'll get there. He'll get there someday. But the problem is, is any time we try to avoid something or recreate something from our past, it transforms our hopes, dreams, and desires into expectations. And suddenly, it's a burden on someone else. And what creates even more tension, even in the best relationships, is we don't just give our box to the other person. Oh no, we swap boxes. We say, here, here's my box, and they say, here is mine. And I tell you, when our hopes, dreams, and desires, once we swap them, eventually here's what happens. Our hopes, dreams, and desires, they collide with one another. 
Now, when these collide with one another, we respond one of five ways. And I want to talk about four of those ways today. You know, the most extreme way we respond is we do this, is we just leave. We get to this point where we say, you know what? This is not what I had in mind. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I expected. You know what? I can't take this, so I'm out of here. And do you know what we do when we leave? We pick up our box of hopes, dreams, and desires, and we cart it off into the next relationship. Well, if we don't leave, then some of us do this. We win. We win. In most relationships, there's someone with a stronger personality. And uh, at certain times in that relationship and at certain occasions, the person with a stronger personality, they power up and they win. And they leverage what Pastor Andy Stanley calls the four C's to a dysfunctional relationship. Now, if your New Year's resolution is to have a terrible relationship, I'm going to tell you how right now. All right? You're glad you came. Here's, here's what you do. You just convince, you convict, you control, and you coerce. So you convince. You say, you know what? I know this is how you always thought it was. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. Your, your box is wrong. My box is right. My box is the way the world works. And so if you'll just become more like me, you'll be happier. Because aren't we always happier when we abandon who we are and who God created us to be to conform to the image of someone else? No, we're never happier, you know? And then, you know, we convict. And we convict. It's we make them feel guilty. We say something like this. We say, you know I don't want to sound judgmental. That's just plain stupid. You know, I don't want to sound critical, but did that work for your parents? So why would that work for us? And then we control, and then we coerce. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing about all this. The winner is always happy. It's like, how's the relationship going? It's going great. It's going great. Because they're working out of their box. They have someone else working out of their box. And then, you know, they look at the other person, and they can't understand why the other person's not doing well. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with them, but she'll get there. He'll get there. You know, they think everything is great in the relationship, but it's not really great, is it? And then this third response is, is opposite to the person who wins, and that is we conform. We abandon who we are, and we embrace what we think makes the other person happy, regardless of if it works for us. Now, here's the thing about conforming. It works for a while, especially for the person, person who won, but it also works for the person who conforms because the temperature in the relationship goes down, and they think, you know what? Th these aren't my dreams and desires, but as long as they're happy, I think I can live with it. The problem is, is that any time we abandon who we are to become someone else, eventually, we lose respect for our partner, and our partner loses respect for us. Now, this, this fourth one is by far the most common response. And this one, this, is we compromise. We compromise. Now, for many of us, we think this is kind of the goal. What do happy couples know? Well, you know, we compromise. But the problem with the compromise relationship and the compromise marriage is just this. It's I do my part, you do your part. And I'm going to watch you to make sure you do your part, and I know you're going to watch me to do my part. This is why in a compromised relationship and in a compromised marriage, there's always scorekeeping. A couple years ago, a good friend of mine called me and he said, hey, uh, do you want to go to the Brewer game? And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those times where you're busy and all that stuff. So I'm like, I don't know, my schedule's kind of full and all that stuff. And he goes, well, I just want to let you know, uh, I got tickets behind home plate, second row. Voila, the schedule all of a sudden miraculously cleared, you know, it was really incredible. It just did. 
And, uh, and so I said to him, I said, hey, man, I said, how did you get those tickets? And he says, well, uh, my wife, she ended up getting a new car. And so I told her because she got a new car that she owed me a bunch of stuff now because she got the new car. And some of the stuff that she owed me was I got to spend a bunch of tickets, a bunch of money on a brewer game, and I want you to go with me. Now, here's the thing. I benefited from their scorekeeping because it was a great game. Let me just tell you that. It really was. <laughs> but the relationship with scorekeeping never does. You see, in this kind of relationship, there's low trust. And when there's low trust, there's low intimacy. And let me tell you why this is. We can't be intimate with another person that we can't fully give ourselves to. And we can never give ourselves to someone we can't completely trust. You know, this is why in a compromised marriage, in a compromised relationship, you'll hear things like this. you hear things like, well, we get along. We can make it. But it's unfulfilling because there's low intimacy. The other thing with a compromised relationship, uh, and, and, and this is kind of interesting when I say it. When I say it's going to sound kind of weird, it's going to sound kind of wrong. But there is actually a commitment to the wrong thing. There's a commitment to the relationship. In fact, maybe you've said this before, or maybe you've heard someone say this before. They'll say this, well, I'm committed to my marriage, and that sounds good, but nobody marries a marriage. You know, when I exchanged vows with Donna, it, it wasn't, hey, do you take this marriage to be your, no, it wasn't like that. You know, it sounds good, but nobody marries a marriage. No one is engaged to a relationship. There is another name to the, the equation. Because being committed to my marriage, and this is so subtle, so subtle, what's driving that? Me. It is my marriage, and my kids, and my reputation and my needs. What's in the middle of all that is me. Now, be, this is not entirely bad. I mean, being for marriage is better than being against marriage. But there's something beyond that. And that's this fifth option, which we are going to talk about next week. <laughs> now, for the next few minutes, I want to try to frame this problem in a way that'll help us understand where we're heading over the next couple weeks. And here's how I wanna frame it. I wanna frame it this way. Expectations create a debt-debtor relationship. You see, when I take my box of hopes, dreams, and desires, and I hand it over to another person, at that moment, just like that, I live under the assumption that now you owe me. It's like, okay, you know, I'm committed to you, and you're committed to me, which means, you know, you owe me everything in my box, and I owe you everything in your box. And even though we're indebted to each other, it still creates a debt-debtor relationship, which ultimately is not what God had in mind when he took the first man and the first woman and he brought them together. Because here's what eventually that creates in a relationship. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what men are supposed to do. That's what women are supposed to do. That's what wives are supposed to do. That's what husbands are supposed to do. Now, let me ask you a question, and, and I know you know the answer to this, but once again, this is at the root of so much tension, and we don't even realize it. How much gratitude do you express to people who do what they're supposed to do? Now, I worked on this message, most of it at least, at a McDonald's while drinking a Diet Coke. Some of you are like, Mark, what really inspires you from this stuff? McDonald's and Diet Coke. There it is right there. There's the secret sauce. I just exposed it to everybody. Now, so I, I go to this McDonald's. And the person waits on me, and I pay $1.06, six, 
which is the cost of the Diet Coke. And then after paying the money, the person that waited on me gave me a cup, which then I could go and fill up the Diet Coke as, as much as I want. Now, when the person gave me the cup, here's what I didn't do. I didn't go, oh, thank you, thank you. I, I didn't expect this. Oh, this is so incredible. This is life-changing for me. Oh, man. I didn't jump over the counter and hug this person, you know, because I probably wouldn't be here right now if I did. And uh, I go, oh, man, tears dripping from my eyes, and I got emotional and everything. I, got, I didn't do that. You know what I did? I said, thank you. And you know why I did? Because how much gratitude do you express to people who do what they're supposed to do? The answer is minimal. We rarely express gratitude for what we've come to expect. Now, here's the tricky part about being with the same person uh, for many years. In every relationship, there are certain routines that develop within that relationship. And in every relationship, there are certain roles and responsibilities that every person in the relationship forms. Now, when I say that, that sounds like a bad thing, but that's not a bad thing. That is actually a good thing. That's the way the world works. The problem is, is when we come to expect from that other person what they always have done. When I come to expect from Donna what she's always done, and what that communicates is that my gratitude is minimal. Because what that communicates to her is, this is what I expect all along. So I'm not going to say thank you when you do, but I'm going to say something to you when you don't. I'm not going to say, wow, thank you for doing that, even though you've been doing that every single day or whatever the routine in that relationship is. And this is so critical because gratitude, here's what gratitude is in, in a relationship. Gratitude is this. Thank you. I didn't expect that. Well, what do you mean you didn't expect that? I make your lunch every single day. I know. I don't expect it. So I'm always surprised when you do it, thank you. I'm telling you, that type of gratitude is the fuel that drives healthy relationships because it's an indicator that we have not packed a box full of expectations. Now, here's the other thing with this. And this is something that starts really, really small and subtle, but over time, it just kind of grows, 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 grows. And, and it's this. The debt-debtor relationship eliminates the possibility of unconditional love. Because if you owe me, you can't love me. If I owe Donna flowers, my wife Donna flowers, and it's Valentine's Day, and she's thinking, okay, he's going to bring me flowers, he's going to bring me flowers, and then I'm like, oh man, I better get her flowers. And so I bring her flowers, here's what happens. I get back up to even with her. And then she's like, okay, great. And then I'm like, I made it again. If I owe her a gift for her birthday, or she expects me to have a gift for her birthday, it's her birthday, and then I bring her a gift, it like brings me up to zero. We're even now. And she's like, okay, great. And I'm like, I made it again. You see, if I owe you, I can't love you. Because love requires margin. And love requires space. And love requires freedom. That's why love doesn't thrive in an environment of expectation. Because expectations actually remove the margin necessary for love to be expressed and love to be appreciated. And when it happens, we, we don't even know what's happening. You know why? Because that's what they're supposed to do. That's what I expected her to do. I mean, why would I be overwhelmed with gratitude when he's just meeting the minimum requirements, when she's just meeting the minimal requirements? And in doing so, we eliminate the possibility of love to be appreciated and love to be expressed. You see, this is why 
a box full of expectations always undermines intimacy because it puts a pressure that we live with every single day. Now, the good news is we don't have to live with that kind of pressure. There's a better way, and you know how I know? Because I know happy couples, and I know some things that happy couples know, and we're going to talk about some of those things over the next few weeks. Now, before you go, i got a couple more things for you. And one of the things I have for you is I want to give you some questions that I hope will just continue to kind of move and stir your mind with this whole idea. And I'll just kind of, kind of move it a little bit more than maybe it already is. And here's, here's a couple of the questions I have for you. What should we do with our, our hopes and dreams and desires box? I mean, should we like pretend that they're not even there? It's kind of like, oh, no, no, we don't need to live in a house or an apartment. We can live in a tent. You know, we can do that. And, uh, you know, we don't need money. I mean, both of us, we don't even need to work. You know, love will keep us alive. Love will provide. And, you know, I never wanted kids. And, uh, you know, I, I never wanted to be appreciated. I never wanted to be loved. I mean, do we just pretend those things aren't there? Do we ignore them altogether? No. No. I mean, some of the things, some of the things in our box, they're good things. Maybe all of them are good things. Some of them actually are there because they stem from the image of God in you. So what do we do with those things? Well, in two weeks, we're going to talk about it, but here's the short answer. We keep them in there, which leads to this next question. How do we do that? I mean, how do we keep them in the right box? How do we keep them out of that box? And then I'm going to hand them over to the other person. And the answer to this question is the correct answer to the next question. And, and this question, for some of you, it's going to bother you because you know what the answer is. But this is what happy couples know. And this is not very intuitive, at least it's not for me, but I'm telling you this is a relational game changer and it didn't originate with me. The way we keep our hopes, dreams, and desires in the hopes, dreams, and desires box and out of the expectations box is we ask this question, what do they owe you? And you know how happy couples answer this question? Happy couples say, they owe me nothing. In fact, happy couples say, we owe each other everything, but are owed nothing in return. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think about it. But here's the thing. You know happy couples, and there's just something about them that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, it's like they go through a difficult time, and they're happy, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, that they're not the most talented people in the world. They're not the wealthiest people in the world. But it's just like they're happy, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Some of them, they have a lot of kids. Some of them, they weren't even able to have kids, and they're happy, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, there's something about happy couples that's a mystery, and a big part of that mystery is that they live every day under the assumption is that we owe each other everything, but are owed nothing in return. Now, Christians, and I believe that, that happy couples leverage a very Christian idea. Christians take their cues from Jesus's one all-encompassing command. And what Jesus said here, I'm telling you, if we just, all of us just focused on this for this year, it's like our New Year's resolution is just this right here. Here's what would happen. Hashtag best year ever. Now, let me just say up front, my kids, when I do this, they're like, Dad, nobody does that anymore because that's not cool. <laughs> but let me just tell you, it's cool to me. It's cool to me. But we would have hashtag best year ever. And you know what? So would the people around us. Here's what Jesus said. He said this to his disciples. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You know, in the olden days, it was do unto others as, you, as, as we would have them do 
unto us. And Jesus says, those days are over, over. This is better, and it's going to make our relationships better. And Jesus, in one sentence, he gives us both the reference point and the definition for what it truly means to love others, and this includes our romantic relationship. Reference point, Jesus, as I. What's the definition of loving people? As I have loved you, I have modeled for you what it means to love other people. And just a few hours before this, he had washed the disciples' feet, which is what servants do, which is what slaves did. You know, if anything, they should have been washing his feet. And a few days after this, he would go to the cross and he would give his life for them. That's what it means to truly love other people. Now, we're going we're gonna to kind of leave it there until next week, but I want to leave you with two pieces of homework. And these are thought homework. Uh, th these are two pieces of thought homework, you know? And so I know for some of you, you're thinking, oh, man, I can't wait for the drive home because uh, we're going to talk about all this stuff, and, man, this is going to be great. Listen, I, I want to encourage you. If you're with your, your, your significant other, you know, your fiancé, your spouse, I want to encourage you not to talk about the message today. Now, some of you guys are like, I'm back. I'm with you again. I'm with you again. I get it. I'm with you again. And the reason why I say that is because these are you pieces of homework, not we. All right? So here are the, here are the two questions I have for you, and these are thought-provoking questions that you, I want you to do on your own. What's in your box? What's in your box? Because whether you realize or not, what's in your box? For some of you, you are accidentally applying pressure to that person you care about, and a part of it is, is you have no idea what's in your box. And because you're not clear about what's in there, the other person isn't clear either. That's why they're constantly trying to figure out, well, how high should I jump and low should I, low should I duck and all this stuff. Why? They're not clear because you aren't clear. What is in your box? Now, if you're single and you're not dating anybody at this current time, this is a great time for you to start uh, really wrestling through this question because someday you're going to be and you're going to bring your box with you. You just are because we just do. And then here's a second question. Are you expecting someone to carry it around for you? I mean, are you intentionally or unintentionally expecting someone else to carry that load for you? Is that person you love carrying the weight of your hopes and your dreams and your desires? Now, for most of us, our answer is no, at least initially speaking. But what I want, I want I'm going to push you a little bit. I just want you to go back to some of your last fights, conflict, and all that stuff. And when you get below all the my needs and all that little stuff, what it comes down to is you have expectations. And that person isn't meeting your expectations, whether they're good or not good. And so for most of us, the answer is yes. Now, as a part of this series, I want to invite you to something. We are actually putting on a couples workshop. And uh, I, I think this is going to be some great stuff because we're going to take some time to give couples tools, and it's going to hopefully grow their relationship, build it, and strengthen it. And so this couples workshop is for all of those who are pre-married, married, or remarried. And uh, if you're interested in this, and I hope you're interested in this, I want you to you know, head to this link, or you can head to the Next Steps area uh, after the service, and you can find out more about it. So what's in your box? And are you expecting someone to carry that for you. Next week, we're going to talk about what I believe is the most powerful relational dynamic in the world, and happy couples do this. Let me pray for us. 
Father, um, I thank you that we can come together and uh, we can wrestle, we can journey, uh, we can, um, maybe for some of us, we're, we're going to, there's a lot of tension that's going to be attached to this, but we can do this together and we can do this more importantly with you. And God, so I pray for all the people here. I know for some, uh, they're single and they're hoping maybe that just someday, God, maybe that someday. And for some are single again and they're hoping someday. And for some, they're getting ready to get married or they are married. Wherever we are, God, may over the next few weeks, may we just be open to maybe some of the things that you just want to speak into in our lives. And I pray that across the board, you would do something dynamic in our relational world. God, I thank you that um, you love us so much that when we think about the relationships in our life, especially this one, uh, you take special interest because you want us to have the very, very best relationship. So God, we look forward over the next couple of weeks. I look forward and I pray that decisions would be made, conversations would happen, God. Uh, maybe there would even be some, some, some people go, I don't think maybe we're made for each other, whatever that may be, but you would do something awesome here uh, in this community. We thank you for it and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.